Okay, let's see, if you have Bibles with you, open them up to Mark chapter 12. So I want to welcome you all back from your holiday weekend. Last weekend, I shared what I think is one of the more significant messages that I've shared uh, since I've been at Charlottetown Community Church as your pastor. The topic was on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Um, I offered biblical as well as uh, historical evidence supporting such workings of God in our midst. Um, we even watched uh, a pretty uh, entertaining, uh, informative, excellent video by John Wimbers, about an 11-minute Wimber, uh, video. Wimbers, the, uh, the founding uh, pastor of uh, the Association of Vineyard Churches. And so um, if you haven't heard it, if you haven't gone online and listened to that message, I strongly encourage that you take the time uh, to do it. It's already up online on the church website, and you can get it there. It's also, I have a personal website, thomasowacki.com. You can get it there as well. Um, on the church's website, I have limitations on the size of the file that I'm allowed to upload. And so sometimes in order to get the whole message on the website, I have to compress the audio down to a lower quality. And, um, and that particular week, it was a particularly low quality, unfortunately. Now, on my personal website, I don't have those limitations, so it's a, it's a higher quality uh, recording, just so you know you have both options available. I've served different churches since I've had that website, and so I've got tons and tons of messages that friends of mine from all, really, literally all over the world listen to now, and so um, that's why I keep that one updated and maintained. So you have your option. You can listen to it on either one. Again, I highly recommend that you take some time to listen to it. It should be very informative and helpful. So, Mark chapter 12. We're going to take a little break from the Gospel of John, and this morning I'm going to start a new series on love. So, if you're in Mark 12, we're going to look at verses 28 to 31 today. Beginning of verse 28. One of the teachers of the Lord came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So Lord, I thank you for your word and for the truth that's in your word. I pray that you would write your word on our hearts and let it have its full impact on us. So what's the context here of, of these verses in Mark chapter 12? Well, Mark 12 begins with Jesus telling a parable. He loves to teach in parables. He speaks uh, metaphorically. Jesus likes to speak in the language of analogy. I get that. I love analogies. Uh, my kids growing up... Um, they, they used to call Dad the king of analogies because as their father, everything was a teachable moment to me. To me, Whatever was going on, I would, take a, I would take a moment and say, okay, do you see what's going on here? This is kind of like that. And so they would tease me. I know, Dad, I know. You're the king of analogies. Now my daughter, 30, 31 in a couple of days, right? She'll be 31. And she's a mental health counselor. And she's like, Dad, you got to know that the analogy anointing has been transferred from you to me. And as I meet with my clients, I speak to them in the language of analogy. I'm like, yes, you know. <laughs> Jesus loves to speak parabolically. 
And so here at the beginning of Mark chapter 12, he's speaking about the parable of the tenants, the, the tenants who run the vineyard. So um, I'm not going to unpack that today, just for giving the context. Um, I encourage, great text. I encourage you guys to read it on your own. After that, Jesus is questioned about taxes, and then it's followed up by questions concerning the resurrection and marriage. So first one religious sect and then another with questions on hot-button topics are hoping to trap Jesus. That's, that's what he's doing. And of course, Jesus is too swift for them, right? He doesn't take the bait, and he isn't trapped. So the context, the context that we have here of these verses where Jesus is asked what's most important is that it's a public debate between Jesus and local religious leaders. Jesus offers good answers to the first two topics of debate, which prompts another question from another teacher of the law, which brings us to today's message, the Great Commandment. We'll start with verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, like I just explained. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, though I'm not sure of this teacher of the law's motives, I still think it's a good question. I mean, imagine, if you, if you could, that you have an opportunity to talk to Jesus in the flesh and ask him any question you want. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, if you were face-to-face -face with Jesus, you had opportunity, you could ask him anything you want to ask him. A most important question, to ask a question about, hey, what's most important? I don't know. I think that's a pretty good use of the opportunity. So most important, what's he really saying here? He's saying, you know, Jesus, what's primary? What's, what's leading? What's driving? What's, what's fundamental? What's first in importance? Because you see, among these, even among these groups that are questioning Jesus, they're not all together. There are camps. And each camp has their, their own opinion, and they have their own theological sacred cows, and they had their own answers to their own questions. And so what this teacher was probably trying to do was see which box Jesus fit into. If they can get an answer out of Jesus, well, then we can, we can contain him and we can label him. And then, even more importantly, we can figure out whose side he's on. Is he with us? Is he against us? How can we use this politically to get what we want out of the situation? Um, so, so with this question, they tested to see... Basically, if Jesus would show disregard or neglect for one area of the law over another area of the law. And then, you, then with that answer, they can use it to make accusation against him. So, instead of promoting one command over another, the answer Jesus gives, it defies the very essence. It really does. It defines the very essence of the whole of the Law and the Prophets. And Jesus answers basically this, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a good answer. So let's look at that. Verses 29 to 31. The most important one Jesus answered is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So basically, in response to the teacher of the law's question, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
verses 4 to 5, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, excuse me, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, in our Mark text, Jesus adds the phrase, with all your mind. That's not in the Deuteronomy text. So he says, He is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one. What's Jesus mean by that? What does the scriptures mean by that? He means that he's the only one. He's the one. He's the first. He's the certain. He's the primary one. He's not one of many. He's, he's the only one. Jesus makes the same point another way in John 14, 6, when, when he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is one God, one God, our God, the Holy God. He's, and Jesus is that one way. He's the only way to the Father. There's no other way but him. There's only one way. Listen to me. There's only one way because there's only one God. All others are imitations. They're counterfeits. They're false. They're imitators. There's only one God. And he's expressed in the, in the mystery of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three, yet one. When we began the Gospel of John, the first thing we looked at were the first five verses in John uh, 1, verses 1 to 5, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God was with God. It's, a, it's, a, it's an homage. It's a, it's a hint. It's a clue. It's a, it's a reflection of Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. So we have one God, and there's a oneness of him. Now, Jesus could have stopped right there. He could have stopped just at the oneness statement, but he didn't. He goes on, and he adds the powerful statement from verse 30. Love the Lord your God, this one God, represented in three. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So let me unpack that. Now, first off, this is an astonishing statement. It's astonishing. Of everything, as believers, as followers of Jesus, as, as followers of believers of God, of everything that could have been, um, could, that we could do or that we could give or, or could have been required of us, God wants our love. He wants our love. What kind of God wants to be loved? <laughs> Every other false God wants to be feared, right? He wants to be served. He wants to be sacrificed to. But loved, it's only our God that wants to be loved. It's the evidence of the fact that he is the only God. Not our, our God doesn't want to be feared. He doesn't want to be served. He doesn't need our sacrifices. Our God, he seeks our love. Guys, that's a game changer. And because not only does he want our love, he wants all our love. He wants it in his fullness. He wants it completely. So what does it mean to love God with all? What does that look like? 
Let's take a look at love first. The Greek word used here for love is akapeo. Agapeo. Akapeo. It's a verb. It's an action word, which basically means God's love. It means the God the Father's attitude of love toward, toward all of creation. God the Father's attitude of love toward His Son. God the Father's attitude of love toward the human race. But we see it expressed in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, right, that He gave His only begotten Son to whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Or in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own agapeo, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's God the Father's attitude of love toward his son. It's his attitude of love toward, toward the human race. It's particularly his attitude of love towards us as his sons and daughters, as, as his believers, those who follow him. It's, it also represents God's will for his children concerning how we treat one another. John 13, verse 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And our attitude of love toward all of mankind. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So it's a, this agapeo expresses love in its many forms. But maybe the most important is this. It expresses the very essence, the very nature, the essential nature of our God. As it says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So this is a full love. This is a complete love. It's, it's a full circle kind of love. It's it's a perfect love. When we're called to love God, we're to love God with the love of God that He's put in us. So it's, it's a full circle kind of love. God for His Son, God for believers, God for those who are not yet believers, God's standard for how we love each other, and for God in His very essence and nature. It's, this agapeo love is love in fullness. You got the picture? It's a, it's a big kind of love. Not a narrow little sliver love. It's not a laser beam love. It's a, it's a floodlight kind of love. It's a big love. And so he tells us, Jesus tells us to love God, to agopeo God with all. What's all? Well, the Greek word here is halos. And it means pretty much what you expect all to mean. All means all. All means completely. It means the whole. It means not a part, not a portion, but all you got. It means all together, or all together all. It means holding nothing back kind of love. Whoever anybody here has ever played poker, no, Texas, no limit, holding poker. You know, we won't throw you out of church if you raise your hand for playing poker. We're not that kind of church. Well... Halos all means to be all in, right? You're going to put all your chips on the table. I'm holding nothing back. How do we love God with our all? We put all our chips. Well, I bet, we're betting all of this. We're holding nothing back. I'm not even holding on to cab fare to get home, right? I'm all in. That's what kind of all is. 
We have, you know, all my, all my love, all my chips are on the table. All of it. I'm holding nothing back. I'm risking everything. Love the Lord your God with all. That kind of all. We have any athletes here or any former athletes here? Can you remember a time when you left it all on the field or maybe you left it all on the ice? Any marathons? Anybody who's taking long bike rides? Anybody who's done a workout until you are absolutely spent? You know what that feels like? That sense of being completely drained, right? Well, it's that kind of awe. We get any hockey fans in the house. <laughs> you ever rooted for the Maple Leafs, or should I say maybe the, the Montreal Canadiens? <laughs> I'm not sure how many of each we have representing here today. I'm not even sure I really want to know. But have you ever rooted with everything you got for a great, and in a great win or a devastating loss? You're just spent afterwards. You lay on the couch, you think, I'm going to die. I think I'm just going to die. Well, that's all. That's putting your all in. You're holding up. You're rooting with all your heart, right? Everything you've got is into this. You're living and dying with every click of the clock, right? That's all. Have you ever loved another person with all you got? Have you ever loved a spouse or a friend or a child with all? You know what that's like? That's the kind of all that Scripture is referring to here. I'm holding nothing back kind of all. That's a scary kind of all. Guys, that's a scary kind of love. Because everything in our culture tells us, don't do that. Don't risk. Don't go out on a limb. Don't expose yourself completely because you might get hurt. And so I should, I should hold something in reserve. I should keep it back. What will the neighbors think? Oh, horror of horrors. What will people say? The, 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 the bane of existence in living a small town is the fear of man. What will people think? It's horrible. It's a prison. It keeps us from loving. We're all... It keeps us in a box. It keeps us closed behind doors. It keeps us hiding. It's a curse. It's a tragedy. It's not what Jesus calls us to do. And so if the words agapeo and halos aren't clear enough, when Jesus is talking about the grandeur and the expense and the depth and the width and the risk of what he's asking for, then he just quantifies it with his next statement. With these words, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. What does he mean by those words? What do those words represent here in Scripture? Well, the heart is speaking about the very center of your spiritual life, that core of your being, the essence of who you truly are, that part of you that's going to live for eternity when your body passes away. It's not talking about your emotions. It's not talking about your physical body. It's talking about the heart. It's talking about the spirit. It's that place where you and God connect and where sometimes we can connect with other people. The word here means your spirit. Love God with all your spirit. And he says love God with all your mind. 
your faculties of understanding, your way of thinking. Love him with your very thoughts. Scripture tells us to, to, to hold every thought captive to the mind of Christ. To love him with all your thinking, all the ways that you think. Love him with all. Love, take those governors off. Take those restrictions off on the way you think. And love him with all. Love him with all your soul. The word here means the very breath of life. Love him with your feelings, with your desires, with your affections. Now I'm not going to ask for any examples. Close your eyes for a second. Think about the most passionate experience of your life. Maybe it was by yourself. Maybe it was in conjunction with another person. Think about the exhilaration of that high point of passion. When the scripture says, love God with all your soul, that's the closest you've ever come to it. That. Love God with all your strength. It means our ability, our force, our might. Love him with your whole body. With every part of your being. With your arms, your legs, your voice. Your hands, your feet. Love him with every bit of strength that you have. I pastor a church in Washington State. They got this part right, let me tell you. We'd have worship on Sunday morning, and, wor and worship would explode in the room. Dancing would be crazy in this place. I'm not exaggerating. Cartwheels across the front of the church. We were on, a, we were on an intersection where we had these big sliding glass doors that opened out to the main intersection in Kennewick, Washington. It was, it, was the, it was the main cross point. And the worship would get so extravagant on some Sunday mornings, it would spill out into the street. No, without exaggeration, there was dancing in the streets on Sunday morning as an expression of worship. It got so wild that some of the people were hanging out in the bar. Now, this is Sunday morning, right? So they've been in the bar all night long. They would, they would come out from the bar and dance with our people in the streets. These folks knew how to dance with all their strength. They, everything they had. Everything. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. So let's, let's get a picture on our mind what this might look like. To love God Almighty from the core of our being, with our every thought, with all of our passionate emotions, with every last bit of our physical capabilities to love him. Now, if we were to do that, it might look dramatic. It might look extravagant. It might look fanatical. It might, it might look foolish. It might look like a hockey game, you know? Think about it. I don't say this to put shame on anybody, but I think it's a fair question. Why is it okay to get that excited at a hockey game, but it's not okay to get that excited about Jesus. Why is it okay in our culture, in our island culture, to be that demonstrative over a puck on the ice and not about our faith in our God? Why is this okay and that not okay? I think it's a fair question to ask. I think something's strange there. In light of Jesus' word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Am I reading something in there that's not in there? It's not that we're not capable, but something in our head says it's not appropriate in church. 
I think that's a lie. I think that's a lie from the pit of hell that we've bought into. And I wish we hadn't. It might look like a hockey game. You know what? It might look like King David. Scripture says of King David that he danced before the Lord with all his might. And he did that in public in his underwear. <laughs> and when his wife gave him a hard time about it, he said, I'll be even more undignified than this. He wasn't concerned about the opinions of men. He didn't care what his neighbors thought. He, he, he had passion in his heart for God. And it could not be contained. And so he loved the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his strength, with all his soul. If you're going to dance <laughs> with all your might out in public, you're a king, right? It's not like he's a nobody. Everybody knows who David is. Dance before the Lord with all of his might until he's exhausted. Have you ever danced with all your might? Have you ever been to a party and danced until you're exhausted? Have you ever danced until you are soaked to the skin? Your, your clothes are just absolutely saturated with sweat? I've done that. It's been a long time. <laughs> but we did that, right? We did that a lot when we were younger. It's awesome. It's smelly, but it's awesome. <laughs> Sweat dripping, heavy breathing, exhausting fun. Second Samuel 6, it's in the, uh, David dancing. It's another great scripture, along with the parable of the tenants. I encourage you to take time this week and study them on your own. So do you get the picture here? Do, do you get the picture? When he says all, when he says to love with God-level love, with all you've got, this is what he wants. This, Jesus says this is the most important thing. And there's nothing else more important to it, to him. It's Jesus himself is speaking. They ask Jesus the question, and his answer is this. To love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. It's, it's not only is it a good thing, not only is it a recommended thing, Jesus says it is the most important thing. Consider that. Okay. So hopefully we got that picture. Now get this, Jesus doesn't stop there. He adds verse 31. The guy asks for the most important thing, and Jesus gives him the top two, not just the top one. In verse 31, Jesus says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So when he says love your neighbor as yourself, for me, two obvious questions come to mind. Who is my neighbor and how do I love myself, right? Well, who's your neighbor? Look to your right and look to your left. That's your neighbor. Who lives next door to you? That's your neighbor. Who do you go to work with? Who do you go to school with? That's your neighbor. Who lives in your city? That's your neighbor. And how do you love yourself? Well, you fed yourself today. Most of you guys had breakfast and you're planning on having lunch as soon as I shut up, right? <laughs> you took a shower, at least most of you guys did. <laughs> you got dressed. 
You got dressed this morning. When you're sick, you go to the doctor. When you're happy, you celebrate, and when you're sad, you mourn. Both are good things. Well, those are good ways to love your neighbor. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're naked, clothe them. If they're sick, pray for them. Maybe take them to the doctor. Maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's just listening to them. Or giving them your time. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 25, verses 35 to 40. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That's how we love our neighbor as ourselves. So what's our Monday morning takeaway as we begin to take another look at biblical love? Well, this week, I exhort you, I challenge you, I dare you. Love God with all. Take an opportunity this week and love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You might have to do it behind closed doors <laughs> to start. And if that's so, then do it behind closed doors. But let go and express your passion for him at least at the level that you would a hockey game, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do it with your spirit, with your thoughts, with your emotions, with your physical body. Give them all. How do you do that? Well, I think there's lots of different ways you can, but I'll give you, I'll give you a clue. Worship often works for me. I either put my guitar on my lap, strap some earbuds in, and I'll just go. And I'll worship him. I'll dance like nobody's watching. Right? Try that. So that's your first assignment. Second one is this. Ask God to show you a neighbor that you can love in a practical way. Matter of fact, right now, Lord, would you put somebody on each heart and mind? Reveal somebody. Give them a picture of that person right now. And now, Lord, would you inspire them? To either share a meal, listen longer than you want to, spend more time than you have, forgive, forgive. Forgive is a powerful way to love somebody. Extend mercy and withhold judgment. That's another powerful way to love. And pray for them, pray for them, and pray for them. Can you do those two things this week? Can you take a moment to love God with your all? Risk it. Go for it. Even if you have to do it quietly, by yourself, privately in a room where nobody can see how foolish you might look. Love him with your all. And then find another human being that you can love the way you love yourself. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your kindness, for your graciousness. 
for your mercy, and for your love. Lord, would you help us? Give us, give us courage, Lord. Give us boldness. Would you set Charlottetown Community Church free from the fear of man? Would you set us free, O oh God, from what other people might think about us or what other people might say about us? Set us free, O oh God, that we could truly love you with all our hearts and all our minds and all our souls and all our strengths. Do it, Lord. Now, I feel like God's given me some prophetic words this morning. I just want to encourage people. And so, um, Karina, I just looked at you this morning when you came in, and this is the picture that I've seen. I think, you, I think there are some really good days ahead. This is the picture that I've seen, that the road you've been on has been kind of narrow, and it, it, it's kept you in the direction you need to go, but you haven't had a whole lot of wiggle room. you just kind of had few options. I feel like the, right in front of you is like this huge open field that things are about to open up, and it's a, it's a beautiful place that you're entering into. I think you're entering into a place of, of increased freedom and liberty and um, openness. And so, so I just bless you with that today. Lord, bless our friend, lead her into that place of uh, that wide open uh, spaces, oh God. Just be encouraged. Yeah. And Jennifer, so good to see you this morning. Always smile and I get to see your face and enjoy any chance I had to be with you and John. But I feel like um, I feel, this, is what, this is the picture I see when I look at you. God speaks to me in pictures, right? It's like, have you ever walked into a room, surprise party, and confetti and streamers and balloons fall from the ceiling? That's what I see coming down over you. It's as if the ceiling opened up and these things are coming down. They haven't quite landed on your head yet. I want to encourage you. I think that there's a time of celebration, like, like a party, bright colors, streamers coming down over your head. It's going to be, it, I think it's going to mark a whole new season, a season of celebration, a, a season of delight. This is what I think it means that God's going to return to you the joy of your salvation. There have been moments on your journey where you, you've experienced extravagant uh, delight and joy in the presence of the Lord, and he wants you to know that you're about to enter another one of those seasons again. And so, Father, just like I see it, would you do that for Jennifer today? Would you open the heavens, and would you pour out your, your presence in an expression of joy that you would return to her the joy of her salvation? Do it, Lord. Lord, that I pray that your yoke, which is easy, your burden, which is light, would be hers, that you would do the heavy lifting, that you would carry the load, and that she would feel the nearness and the delight that comes from your presence. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And um, Karen, I just, I just want to encourage you. I look at you this morning, and, 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 what, and the picture I see is this. It's like a large a large uh, piggy bank, okay? And I just see coin after coin after coin after coin uh, being put into that piggy bank. And I really feel like the Lord wants you to know that he knows every deposit you've made. He knows everything you've dug where you've invested into your relationship with him, where, where you have made deposits into the spiritual life that you lead. He wants you to know nothing has been wasted. Not one cent, not one second, not one moment of investment that you've sacrificed, that you've put in, that you've invested into, into your life as a follower of Jesus, none of it's been wasted. All of it's been captured. All of it's been saved. He treasures. It's a treasure before him. It, he treasures every moment. He treasures every breath. That he loves your heart. I want you to know that, I want you to know that he's closer than you think he is. That he's nearer than you ever could imagine. That there are those days where it feels like 
Oh my goodness, he's just a million miles away, and he's right behind you. Matter of fact, not only is he behind you, it's like his body is hovering over you, and he's got you covered, even on the darkest days. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. And, I'm, and it just reminds me, I was feeling this during worship, and I think this applies to a variety of people who are here. But a couple of scriptures came to mind where it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he's close to those who are crushed in spirit. If that's where you're at today, if that's what you're feeling today, he is near to you. Sometimes in our pain, sometimes in the burdens that we carry, the life, the stuff of life that we experience, we believe a lie that God's forsaken us, or that he's left us, or he's not near us, or we can't find him. He's never moved. He would never leave you. As, as a good father, as a loving mother, would never forsake their child in the time of need. I want you to know we have a good dad. We have a heavenly father who loves his children. And he loves you. And he's with you. And he's near you. Even if this is your dark day, if you had to drag yourself to church today and you're thinking, to yourself, is this real? Do I, why am I here? Why am I doing this? He is near to the brokenhearted. He is close to those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus said the reason he came is this, to bind up broken hearts and to set captives free. He's here for you. He's especially here for you on your dark day. In Scripture, it says of Jesus that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And we know he's not talking about grass and candles. He's talking about the hearts and minds of men and women, his sons and daughters. If you feel like a smoldering wick this morning, if you feel like a bruised reed, know this. He will not snuff you out. Know this. He will not discard you. He loves you in your brokenness. He loves you when you're, when you're down to that last remnant of strength. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The scripture says that when we're faithless, still he's faithful. He's faithful to the covenant promise that he's made to each one of us. Even if we don't keep up our end of the deal, he still keeps up his end of the deal. That's how committed he is to us. That's how great and grand his love is for us. And so, Father, I thank you for my friends this morning. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I just still feel the spirit stirring a little bit. Let's hold on a second. So, Justin, your face just like it was like shining light back there. I looked over in your direction. I just, I think this, I know that this has been a pretty good season for you. We get to talk pretty regularly, and so you know, I've I've had the privilege of having, you know, you know, a front row seat or second row seat, something a close seat to what's been going on in your life in the last year. But I feel like as good as this past year has been for you, and it's been a pretty good year, I think the next year coming is going to be even better. I feel like God's saying he's taking you higher and higher. He's going to take you from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing. And that, and that this wasn't, you know, what you experienced in the last year wasn't his highest promise for you. It was just one step in that direction. And so be encouraged. Um, I, think that there are, I think at work there are good things for you. I think at home there are good things for you. I feel like there's a, a, a season for you and Lindsay, um, where, and you guys have a really good relationship. I feel he wants to take the two of you to a deeper place of romantic love, of intimacy with one another than you've ever been before, that, that the, the honeymoon's not over, the best days aren't behind you. I feel like the best days are, are yet to come. And, and so I just bless you guys in that, and I, and I pray that the favor of God... Uh, we'll just continue the rest on you guys in, in the year to come. And, and uh, Roy, I, I want you. I watched you riding in on that bike today, and it was really. It's always good to see you when you get to come and be with us. And I feel like, um, just like God is returning physical strength uh, to your body, that there's a 
There's a fortified strength that's coming to your soul uh, where your yes is going to be yes and your no is going to be no. It's going to be a good thing for you. That God's with you. I want you to know that he's on your side. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's got, he has a good plan for you ahead. And um, I think you're on, you're on the right path and you're headed in the right direction. And I just want to encourage you to keep pedaling. Just keep pedaling in, in that direction. It's a good thing. So I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, so just, just one more thing. And so I got this, um, when I greeted you earlier this morning, Patsy, I felt, and I held you, this is the picture, the flash of an image that I came. It was like, um, you know, this time of year, corn mazes are fun, right? Kids, kids like to go through a corn maze. And I felt like, I felt like you were walking through a corn maze and that you were near, uh, you were near the end of it. And that um, this last stretch of the journey, it, it's, it's, it's been fun. And I want, I want you to know this also. This is just overwhelming impression on me this morning for just about everybody. Every step in the cord maze, God's been with you. It's, like, it's not like a little girl, scary and terrified, walking in a corn maze by herself at night. It's more like a daylight picture with a little girl's walking with her daddy, and they're having a delightful uh, walk together. And so, um, so I think it's been a fun journey. I want you to know that the corn maze is almost over. I'm not really sure exactly what that means for you, but I, in the same way like I saw for Karina, a wide open field, kind of like you'd see at the end of a corn maze. It's wide and it's open. You're about to enter into a space that's wide and it's open. It's going to leave you a lot more options and there's going to be a lot less twists and turns. And, and I think that's a good thing. So be encouraged. I think there's a, I think there's a really good season ahead for you as well. All right, that's all I got. I can feel when it lifts and it's over. Oh. Lord, bless my friends today. Encourage us. Lord, give us the courage and boldness we need to love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, Lord. And give us creative and inspirational ways this week to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.